Fear not. This is the Doctor Whoever Project. Grab your emotional support animal and get ready for a dose of reality. Afternoon, good evening, or good night. It is June 19th, 2021. And if you woke up this morning and you thought it was just a basic Saturday, eh, wrong-o. America has a new holiday, and it's called Juneteenth. Celebrated this year for the first time as a national federal paid off-work holiday, June 19th will go down in history as the day slavery was officially abolished in this country. But I'm not here to say I'm an expert about it or anything, but there's plenty of people that are. Let's hear from CBS Morning News right now. Uh, This is from June 19th, 2021. The nation is marking its newest national holiday today, Juneteenth. President Biden signed legislation this week making the day a federal holiday. It commemorates the events of June 19, 1865, when Union soldiers brought news to enslaved black people in Galveston, Texas, that they were free. Many large corporations, including Viacom CBS, recognized Juneteenth on Friday with moments of silence, early closures, or a payday off for employees. But to many, the day represents much more than that. Christina Ruffini is at the White House with more on this. Christina, good morning to you. Good morning, Jeff. You know, this holiday came about so quickly that the post office is actually still delivering mail, and that's because it said it couldn't stop service that fast. But for people who've been fighting for recognition of this day for generations, it didn't feel fast. It felt long overdue. From a Juneteenth flag raising in Boston. This is an amazing day in our city. To a march in St. Paul. Americans celebrated their first new federal holiday in 36 years. Also known as Jubilee Day and Black Independence Day, Juneteenth marks the moment in 1865 when, two months after the end of the Civil War, Union troops finally got all the way to Texas to tell the enslaved people there they were free. This is one of the ways to acknowledge that Our ancestors weren't free for two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation. 94-year-old Opal... Now, when you hear people on the news and they're talking about this and there's people that are being angry because African-Americans in this country think that this should be legitimately looked at, I ask them why you would have a pushback. We celebrate... Cinco de Mayo incorrectly in this country as a holiday of another country that we see as inferior to us every year. There's commercials for it. Bud Light puts out special cans. There's festivals, concerts. People take off work. To say that you can't have such a holiday to represent oppressed people that make up a large segment of our country that have continued to go through many problems that they still face today is absurd. 
And here's Joe Biden right here talking about it. But that anniversary came and went without congressional action. Now, the government was closed yesterday since this year the 19th was on a weekend, but today is the actual holiday. So expect to see more of those celebrations and commemorations across the country. Uh, Michelle? Well, a lot of them uh, will be taking place. I'll be at one of them. Thank you so much, Christine. Yes, they will. I'm sure people are going to take full advantage of this, and they should. It was 156 years to the day when the people that were enslaved in Texas found out, hey, guess what? You're not slaves anymore. The war is over. You are free. You can do what you want. Imagine that. Imagine someone coming up to you on a horse telling you, hey, this is no longer where you have to be. You no longer have to stay here and work for these white people picking cotton, churning butter, milking the cows, taking care of their children, being raped, being assaulted, being whipped, being beat, being starved, not having a proper place to stay, not having any safety, not have anything to call your own. And when there's pushback, you can always look to ignorance because there is no other rationalization for people to give other than just ignorance. But ignorance is no longer an excuse. Education is out there. You can't go anywhere nowadays without seeing something inspiring, something that makes you realize that there was a world before you were born and it might have been shitty, it might have been great, but it wasn't great for everyone and it wasn't shitty for everyone but it should be eh, at least okay for everyone. And we're making steps in the right direction. All right, let's hear a bit more. I'd like to hear some official information uh, about Juneteenth. So let's go to the History Channel for, uh, for actual history lesson. My name is Marcia Chatlin. I'm a professor of history and African-American I'm a historian of African-American life and culture. Juneteenth is a commemoration holiday of June 19, 1865, when a group of African-Americans in Galveston, Texas, received the news that they indeed were free. President Lincoln had signed the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863, but news of the end of slavery in Texas had not traveled to this community until 1865. Since then, Juneteenth has been a day of commemoration of the struggle against slavery and a celebration of freedom. There are many misconceptions about Juneteenth. One of the biggest misconceptions about Juneteenth is that people often think that was the day that slavery ended in the United States. But in fact, the 13th Amendment, which abolished slavery in the United States, was passed in the Senate on April 8, 1864, and the House on January 31, 1865. Although Juneteenth celebrates the knowledge that slavery had ended, it's important to remember that the conditions that mirrored slavery, whether it was Jim Crow or the suppression of civil rights or continued struggles to fight racism, those continued long after the end of slavery. And so the Juneteenth holiday reminds us of where we've come and it also inspires us to think about the places we want to go. Thank you. 
As African Americans left the South to pursue opportunities throughout the 20th century in Northern and Western cities, the celebration of Juneteenth moved from being a Texas-based celebration to a national one in which people gathered with families and friends and community to remember the incredible struggle of a people against slavery and to create new traditions that allowed them to reflect about the struggle for civil rights and the ongoing struggle against racism. Breaking news, Justin. Feel free to turn your head. Although slavery was abolished in 1865, the fight for civil rights has continued to the present day. So Juneteenth provides people with a sense of encouragement and inspiration to continue to fight on behalf of their community and their families for freedom. And it also is a holiday that as it continues to become more and more popular, it allows people to look back at the past and encourages them to learn more about African-American history. And I think that's what this is all about. This is all about education. This is all about knowledge. This is all about looking forward and not looking back. And by that, I mean moving on with progress. Looking back and seeing that didn't work, that was wrong. We were wrong. We had the wrong views. We like to think that we're this Christian country and we're so great and powerful and wonderful. But on the backs of who? The people that built this country were the slaves. Those people built the White House, built the Capitol, farmed these lands. And so many just disregard that and think it didn't happen. But the people that built this country, they they want some recognition. They want to be included in society fully. There's a uh, performance on Blackish that I saw fairly recently, and the, uh, the, t- the title was We Built This. Um, they're dressed in slave garb. Um, it's Anthony Anderson's show, Blackish, on ABC. If, you've, if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to lie, it's not one of my favorite shows, but uh, I, I found this quite interesting, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it. It's just a little one-minute musical segment. Um, we Built This, musical performance. feelings really what else did we build railroad wall street the white house and university uva we built that chapel hill we built that pyramid no sorry our hebrew brothers get credit for that mazel let's turn up and get it popping settle down we still ain't got nothing we built this Oh 
keep it 100. Tomorrow when I hit the field, I'ma keep running. We did everything that the overseer wanted. And if we got paid, then we'd be stunned. Sugar cane, cotton ham. My blood is sweat, paid for this land. My life would have been different if I didn't have cinnamon pigment. We built this. That's right. They did build this. And there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that. Being free means we're finally going to be equal to the white man. That's all they want. They just want to be represented as such in our society, as whole, as people, as people that deserve to be included. And they do. And we're slowly moving in the direction of progress. Uh, Let's watch Joe Biden actually sign the bill. This is a day of profound, in my view, profound weight and profound power. A day in which we remember the moral stain, the terrible toll that slavery took on the country and continues to take. What I've long called America's original sin. At the same time, I also remember the extraordinary capacity to heal, to hope, and to emerge from the most painful moments. We're blessed. We're blessed to mark the day in the presence of Miss Opal Lee. My mother said, God love her. Grandmother of the movement to make Juneteenth a federal holiday. And Ms. Opal is, uh, you won't believe it, she's 49 years old. Or 94 years old. I love Joe. As I was walking down, I regret that my grandchildren aren't here. Because this is a really, really, really important moment in our history. By making Juneteenth a federal holiday, all Americans can feel the power of this day and learn from our history and celebrate progress and grapple with the distance we've come, at the distance we have to travel to. And I have to say to you, I've only been president for several months, but I think this will go down for me. It's one of the greatest honors I will have had as president, not because I did it, you did it, Democrats and Republicans. And there he is, signing the bill, giving the pins away. Oh, he gave the pin to the the elderly... uh, African-American lady that he was just referring to. That's, that's adorable. Um, he, he just has the right touch, Joe Biden, when he's out there talking to the people. You really can look into his old, wrinkled eyes and see that there, are, there is care there. He cares about people. He cares about you. He cares about me. He cares about the blacks, the whites, the L's, the B's, the cheese, the Q's, the purples, the greens, the yellows, everything there is out there. Joe Biden actually does care. That's not the only thing going on this month. It is June, and throughout the country in the month of June, we also celebrate another oppressed group. And the Juneteenth brothers and sisters are roped right in with us. We've even added them into the rainbow. Yes, queen, yes, queen, yes, queen! LGBTQ plus news making headlines. Stand clear. There will be glitter. So like feminine, or are you more like masculine? feminine? I can already tell when you open your mouth, the rainbow fell out. 
Okay, girl, bye. Bye. Most Americans are repelled by the mere notion of homosexuality. The CBS News survey shows that two out of three Americans look upon homosexuals with disgust. No matter what you preach or say. No matter what you preach or say. There's no fighting DNI. You can't pray the gay. This is the Doctor Whoever Project. Stand by. And it is June, so happy Pride Month, everyone, to all the L's, the G's, the B's, the T's, the Q's, the Pluses, the A's, the B's, the C's, the G's, the Deltas, the Gammas, the Zetas, the Betas, whatever you want to be, whatever language you speak it in. Yes, Queen, to all the gays out there and members of the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, eight years ago, Joe Biden helped forever change the course of LGBT history. Uh, and this moment documented in 2012. Vice President Biden chose yesterday morning's broadcast of Meet the Press to voice his support of gay marriage. I am absolutely comfortable with the fact that Men marrying men, women marrying women are entitled to the same exact rights. Sounds like the strongest endorsement for same-sex marriage yes, yet Anderson. from the highest-ranking administration official so far. Breaking news. Historic this is an here. historic political and cultural moment in this country. The White House facing a lot of questions this week in the wake of Vice President Biden saying he's comfortable with gay marriage. It is important for me to go ahead and affirm that uh, I think same-sex couples should be able to get married. This was not difficult for me. I learned early on from my father, it's a simple proposition. I was 17 years old, two men dressed in suits leaned over and kissed one another, embraced, and I just turned and looked at my dad. He said, Joey, it's simple. They love each other. I think it is, and I've said this for the last 10 years, it's a civil rights issue of our day. It's about who we are as a country, who we are as a people. And as long as I have a breath in me, I will not be satisfied till everyone in the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender community is afforded the dignity, the freedom, and the equality that my father spoke so clearly. Yes, queen, yes, queen, yes, queen. Yeah! Well, I love Joe Biden. That's one of my favorite clips. Uh, showing his prog- progression from um, understanding that there was something different growing up as a child that he was witnessing to present day making policy points that show human growth. People can grow. That's the whole point. Just because you had an opinion at one point in your life based on this set of facts does not mean that you cannot formulate revised versions of your beliefs with a new set of information and facts. And the gayness is spreading. The acceptance worldwide of homosexuality is uh, skyrocketing. In the United States, 72% accepted. Calculate here. Canada, 85% accepted. Brazil, 67%. France, 86 Poland, 47. Eh, we don't like that one. Spain, 89. Yeah! UK, 
86. Netherlands, 92. But then you go over to Russia, 14. See, we don't want to be like them. We don't want to be like the Russians and the Chinese. We want to be able to make our own decisions for our own lives, for who we decide to be with, how many children we have, what career we uh, aspire to be involved in, what religious faith we participate in. America is supposed to be the country of choice and the country of acceptance. And we're, we're, we're moving towards a more inclusive society. Let's, uh, let's not forget 10 years ago, the federal government repealed don't ask and don't tell. Um, I remember being in Washington DC, living there at the time, and I was at a bar and that night, they announced it, and it came on the TVs and CNN. Uh, you know, they they had repealed uh, this "don't ask, don't tell" policy that had been very prevalent in the United States military. Uh, being in Washington D.C., where there's lots of military people, it was talked about widely, and this announcement was greeted with massive celebrations. The White House was lit with rainbow colors. People went out into the streets to celebrate. It was like the election, but 10 years ago. Not long ago, it looked like the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell could be left on the floor of this lame duck Congress. But today, the 17-year-old policy fought its last battle in the Senate. 2965 is adopted. With 65 votes, eight of them Republican, the Senate voted to end the ban on gays serving openly in the military. They want to put their lives on the line for our security and our freedom. Does it make any sense to say no to them? Some have said this is not the time to repeal this policy. And they're right. Should have been done yesterday. The Democratic argument to strike Don't Ask, Don't Tell got a boost from a recent Pentagon study in which two-thirds of American troops said changing the law would have little impact. Vocal opponents of the bill, led by Senator John McCain, pleaded against making such a dramatic change during two wars. I've heard from thousands, thousands of active duty and retired military personnel. I've heard from them. And they're saying, Senator McCain, it isn't broke, and don't fix it. Well, see, that was yesterday thinking. We can look at problems and see them as what they are, social problems. Just because you choose to spend your life in the armed forces or as a police officer or a firefighter or a priest doesn't mean you should live any more unhappy than other people out there that are teachers or nurses. Today's vote is seen as a major victory for Democrats who are still reeling from a painful November election. The bill cleared the House with a strong majority Wednesday, and President Obama is expected to sign it into law next week. In a statement, the president said, no longer will many thousands more be asked to live a lie in order to serve the country they love. Wow, what a day. A number of those servicemen and women were on hand at the Capitol for the historic moment. More than 13,000 have been kicked out of the military since the law was enacted in 1993. But this afternoon, they got the last word. Soon we can serve in the military without having to sacrifice our honor, our integrity, without having to lie every day about who we are. But change won't come overnight. 
Following the president's signature, the Pentagon will begin an implementation plan followed by a 60-day wait period. The defense secretary has said it could take up to a year before Don't Ask, Don't Tell is officially history. Anthony? But it was, and it is history. This blast from the past from CBS Evening News with Katie Couric was from December 18th. 2010. Okay, That would be uh, 11 years ago for those of you without a calculator handy. But we're moving forward, moving along, moving along in a new way. Uh, Pride is celebrated around the world. Right here in Vegas, we celebrate in uh, September when it cools down a little bit. So it's nice. You get to you get to go from June, July, August, all over, all the way throughout to September, wearing your rainbow, showing pride for what has been built in the LGBTQ community. For most of the 20th century, LGBTQ people were forbidden from showing pride in their sexuality. They were forbidden from being who they are, but they fought back against persecution, police brutality, oppression. This is the history of pride in the United States in six minutes. Okay, go. Throughout most of the 20th century, activities associated with being anything but heterosexual and gender conforming were against the law. As an increasingly visible gay culture began to grow, so did police raids of gay spaces. Police force was used to suppress the acceptance of the queer and trans community and enforce a conservative agenda. Dating back to the early 1900s, violent raids spread across America, especially in cities like New York, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. A popular location to target were bars and bathhouses where gay people gathered. Over time, hundreds of people were arrested and beaten just for existing within these spaces since activities associated with queerness were criminalized. In the 1930s, in what is now Miami-Dade County, a venue not unlike the spaces we have the freedom to create and occupy today, existed. La Paloma Nightclub was a space for burlesque-like performances by both women and female impersonators, as well as a space for effeminate male performers. Most of the staff and patrons were queer and or gender non-conforming folks. One of the club's visitors described it as a scene for homosexuals in evening gowns and trousered lesbians, as well as Let's remember, on a November night, not too many years ago, nearly 200 men and women it was unheard of to see a gay person on television or enter your church, or have two dads bring a kid to the first day of kindergarten. burning their fiery cross. Later, local law enforcement conducted their own raid of La Paloma. Given the time period, it's likely that the same authorities who raided as police had already attacked while their identities were concealed with the KKK. Despite the violent vigilante and police raids, La Paloma reopened with new programming that the manager described as spicier entertainment than ever. And that's just one example of the dozens, maybe hundreds of violent incidents that targeted the LGBTQ community for decades leading up to 1969. So what made the Stonewall riots of 1969 such an iconic turning point for gay liberation? Well, in the 1960s, the West Village in New York City became somewhat of a gathering place for gay people and home to many underground gay venues. The Stonewall Inn was particularly known 
for being a place where trans people, drag queens, and homeless queer youth could gather safely. It was considered a safe space not only by the nature of being for queer people, but also because it gave young homeless queer individuals a place off the streets to be. In the days leading up to the riots, tension between the NYPD and the community was building. A few days prior, police raided Stonewall, harassing the patrons. Their goal was to shut the inn down. The LGBTQ community was growing tired of the brutality and impression they were facing for simply existing. In the early hours of June 28, 1969, police raided the Stonewall Inn again, leading to the arrests of 13 patrons. As the patrons were being removed from the venue, a crowd gathered, questioning the police's authority, resulting in violent conflict. Many note a lesbian as one of the first people to fight back against the police that night, with that some sense. believing her to be Stormy Delavier. Delavier, a biracial butch lesbian, became yes, known man. to be something of a guardian to lesbians in the city. Other prominent figures in the uprising were Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera. Rivera? And if you're not familiar with Stonewall or the area of New York that they're referring to, uh, the Stonewall was a bar right there in New York City in a prominent LGBTQ hotspot. What happened is the cops decided they wanted to come in, beat up on some of the queers. Ha ha, that's hilarious. Let's go do that. But it backfired. The riots broke out, creating what people would finally call today as the first gay pride parade fire hoses and threatened gun violence while the crowd chanted and sang for liberation. Further acts of defiance involved the crowds holding hands and engaging in other displays of affection boldly, as these could have been considered criminal activities at the time. Overall, 21 people were arrested during the riot. Within several weeks, the New York Mattachine Society, one of the earliest LGBT organizations in the United States, led a gay power march throughout the city, drawing a crowd of hundreds. Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera went on to found STAR, Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, an organization that served to aid homeless and runaway trans youths, as well as other LGBTQ individuals. They also rallied against racism, sexual violence, and transphobia. A year after the Stonewall Riots, on June 28, 1970, the first Pride Parade was held. The first march gave the community a chance to memorialize the uprisings that had occurred on Christopher Street the year before. It's reported that the march started with just a few hundred people in downtown New York, but swelled in size as it made its way uptown towards Central Park. Displaying gay pride at this time was still a bold act, and it's said that at the beginning of the march, many were worried about their safety, so they moved swiftly through the streets. Today, Pride celebrates the strides the community has made since that first public display of Pride. Yes, queen, yes, queen, yes, queen! Yeah! Celebrating Gay Pride. That's what we're going to do all month of June here on the Doctor Whoever Project. We're going to find out more information about what exactly went down in history. Find out how you can move forward with your LGBTQ plus brothers and sisters in supporting them, and what Pride events are going on around the country you should be aware of. We'll be right back. This is the Doctor Whoever Project. Yes, queen, yes, queen, yes, queen! Yeah! LGBTQ plus news making headlines. Stand clear. There will be glitter. Like feminine, or are you more like feminine? Yeah. I can already tell when you open your mouth, the rainbow fell out. 
Okay, girl, bye. Bye. Most Americans are repelled by the mere notion of homosexuality. The CBS News survey shows that two out of three Americans look upon homosexuals with disgust. No matter what you preach or say. No matter what you preach or say. There's no fighting to you. You can't breathe again. Yes, 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 queen. Yeah. Hey, you over there. This is the Doctor Whoever Project. Stand by. Try to top, he'll cry Never even said his bye It says he's verse The phone is grinder Oh Versatile, yeah, okay oh. Girl, you know you're super gay Oh That's right, you're back with a Doctor Whoever project It is Gay Pride Month It is June 2021 And it's Juneteenth we're celebrating Juneteenth right along with the LGBTQ plus community this month. And we got a list of events. What's going on around the world to celebrate Pride Month? Well, Let's go. Just another FN Columbus, list. Ohio, June 1st through June 30th. Washington, D.C., June 1st through June 30th. San Francisco Pride, June 1st through June 30th. Dublin, June 1st through June 28th. Vienna, June 7th through June 20th. Portland, June 12th through the 19th. Baltimore, 13th through the 20th. Oslo, the 18th through the 27th. Toronto Pride, June 18th through the 27th. Milan, June 18th through June 27th. Lisbon, June 19th through June 28th. Barcelona, June 19th through June 27th, Majid, June 25th through July 4th, New York City Pride, June 25th through June 27th, Budapest, June 25th through July 25th, Paris, June 26th through June 26th, Seattle, June 26th through June 27th, Puerto Rico, June 26th, Denver, June 26th through June 27th, Rome, June 26th through June 27th. Chicago, Mexico, Helsinki, Munich, Sieges, where I've been. Amazing place. Check that out. Sieges Gay Pride, July 3rd. San Diego Pride, July 18th. What else we got on here? Vancouver, July 19th through August 3rd. Minneapolis, July 17th through the 18th. Amsterdam, July 31st through the 8th of August. Hamburg, Germany, July 24th through August 9th. And in August, Stockholm Pride, Prague Pride, Reykjavik Pride, Montreal Pride, Copenhagen Pride, Austin Pride, Charlotte, North Carolina. Shout out to North Carolina. So North Carolina celebrating gay pride in Charlotte. August 21st through the 22nd. Check that out. Charlotte, North Carolina. North Carolina, folks. Y'all better, uh, y'all better have your ducks in a row and uh, be prepared to not be amazed. Y'all be cool, stay classy. I love everywhere in the world but North Carolina. Y'all got a special, special spot in my heart. Y'all crazy. I fit right in here. Love y'all. 
So if you're in Charlotte uh, in, uh, in August, you better check that out. Check out that Charlotte Pride. The Queen City. Love the QC. Manchester Gay Pride, August 27th through the 30th. Calgary, August 27th through the 6th. And then in September, Philly, Ibiza, Miami, Malta, London. And then in October, we got Orlando, Atlanta, Las Vegas, October 8th through the 9th. So, hey, if you're here October 8th through the 9th, come check us out. Las Vegas, hit that Fruit Loop. Don't miss. You don't want to miss anything that's going on in Las Vegas during Pride Month. That is, that's some craziness going on. And then November, we got Palm Springs, Phoenix, Buenos Aires, Fort Lauderdale. So, got a full list of rainbow studded events to check out from June all the way till November. October, September, July, June, May, April. It doesn't matter what month it is. LGBTQ Pride is here, and it's here to stay. Yes, queen, yes, queen, yes, queen! Yeah! LGBTQ plus news making headlines. Stand clear. There will be glitter. Like, feminine, or are you more like masculine? Feminine, I can already tell when you open your mouth, a rainbow fell out. <laughs> okay, girl, bye. Bye. Most Americans are repelled by the mere notion of homosexuality. The CBS News survey shows that two out of three Americans look upon homosexuals with disgust. No matter what you preach or say, no matter what you preach or say, there's no fighting tonight. You can't break the game. Yes, queen, yes, queen, yes, queen. Yeah! Hey, you over there. This is the Doctor Whoever Project. Stand by. <laughs> That's right, you can't pray the gay away, you can't pray the blackness away, the Hispanic way, the Asian, the Chinese, the Native American, the green eyes, the blue eyes, the blonde hair, that little finger that's not as long as your other finger on your left hand that kind of looks weird and similar to that toe you have on your left foot. Hey, we all got stuff that we have to deal with. That is life. But the LGBT community, we're joining forces. Black Lives Matter and the LGBTQ community have so many things in common. It wasn't long ago that a black man and a white woman or a white woman and a black man could not even be married. Let's remember back in 1967, the landmark civil rights case by the Supreme Court, playfully named Loving versus Virginia. 388 US 1, 1967. The landmark civil case right decision of the U.S. Supreme Court, which ruled that the law banning interracial marriage violated the equal protection and due process clause of the Fourth Amendment of the United States Constitution. Let's hear a little bit about exactly what was going on back in 1967 that prevented 
two humans, a male and a female, from joining together to have a family. On July 11, 1958, at 2 a.m., a county sheriff entered the home of Virginia couple Richard and Mildred Levy, forced them out of their bed, and placed them under arrest. Their crime? Interracial marriage. This is the story of Loving versus Virginia and the landmark civil rights decision that would set an important precedent for marriage rights in America. Richard, who was white, and Mildred, who was black and Native American, spent the early morning hours of July 11th in jail. They were tried and found guilty of violating Virginia's Racial Integrity Act of 1924, a series of laws that made race mixing illegal. The Lovings were then given an ultimatum, spend one year in prison or leave the state of Virginia for 25 years. Frightened so and unaware Virginia? of their legal options, they moved to Washington, D.C., where their marriage was legal. They raised their three children in the nation's capital, financially strapped and isolated from friends and family. Five years later, they returned to Virginia to visit Mildred's relatives, but were arrested for a second time for traveling oh together. My God, Inspired by the burgeoning civil rights movement, Mildred decided to fight back. Yes. So in 1963, she wrote a letter to U.S. Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy asking for his advice. Kennedy referred the Lovings to the American Civil Liberties Union, who assigned their case to two young lawyers named Bernard Cohen and Philip Hirschkopf. Let's just take a pause to remember this was only Cohen 58 and years took ago. took their appeal all the way to the Supreme Court, arguing that Virginia's anti-miscegenation laws violated the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment, which guaranteed African Americans citizenship and all its privileges. The broad and sweeping language of the amendment, they argued, made no mention of interracial marriage and thus guaranteed equal protection of a human being's right to marry. Attorneys from the state of Virginia argued that the state's rights should be prioritized over federal laws. But the argument didn't hold up. On June 12, 1967, the court unanimously struck down the Virginia marriage ban and overturned the Loving's conviction. The court ruling reverberated across America, invalidating anti-miscegenation laws not only in Virginia, but in 16 Virginia, other states. Virginia, North Carolina, that- Arkansas, Alabama, Delaware, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Illinois, Missouri, Mississippi, West Virginia, Virginia, Texas, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Oklahoma all had such rules in the books that could prosecute a black, white, mixed race couple. That held them as well. After winning their case, the Lovings were finally free to do what they wanted to do all along. They lived quietly in Virginia as husband and wife until Richard's death in 1975. Loving versus Virginia would inspire gay marriage advocates during their own Supreme Court victories decades later. For example, 2003's Lawrence versus Texas decision ruled that a Texas statute criminalizing sexual activity between members of the same sex was unconstitutional. The Supreme Court would directly cite Loving in two subsequent landmark cases that paved the way for same-sex marriage. The first was 2013's United States versus Windsor, which struck down a key part of the Defense of Marriage Act. And the second was Obergefell versus Hodges, a 2015 ruling which granted same-sex couples around the nation the right to marry. 
Few cases are so appropriately named as Loving versus Virginia. I do love how this is. A case is about one loving. couple's brave fight to validate their the love in the love. eyes of the law. Loving versus Virginia forever redefined marriage in the United States. And that case reverberated all the way across history. Until today, we're still looking back at that case to validate what we do in our own society with gay marriage, with transgender people. The fact that we're all in this together, we all have a stake Almighty in God our society and in created our community. The, races. the fact that he separated the races shows that he did not intend for the races to mix. This was the old thinking, the old way, the way people saw things back in the 60s. The Loving Story is about Mildred and Richard Loving, an interracial couple who married in the late 50s in Virginia. They were arrested five weeks later in the dark of night. A sheriff crashed through their door with two deputies and some dogs, pulled them out of bed, and put them in jail. They uh, sentenced us to one year in state penitentiary. The Lovings were accused of two crimes. That one was the anti-miscegenation crime, which was a felony. Anti-dissemination? I never even heard of that. Couple. I have to look up what that They're even is. I can't even pronounce that word. Statute by leaving the state and marrying in Washington, D.C. Not so much of me, Richard. Because we could go away, but it's the principle, it's the law. I don't think it's right. Let's see what they actually sound like today. Uh, we got a, the, looks like there's like a clip. Let's just, I'd just like to hear what these people actually sound like. If I, can, I didn't realize how bad it was until we got married. 50 years ago today, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in favor of Richard and Mildred Loving, granting them and anyone the right to marry a spouse of a different race. It was a historic moment for civil rights in America, but also a very personal one. We asked couples to mark the anniversary by explaining what the loving decision means to them and their families. These were simple country people who were not activists. They were not civil rights people. They were in love. You know, we're talking about a time when 40 states in America would regard us as criminals. Okay, That's no longer the case. There's actually one simple issue, and the issue is, may a state proscribe a marriage between two adult consenting individuals because of their race? My parents were completely cool with it. They met Errol quite early on, I think a year after, not, not even a year after, well, after we I'd met. I'd guess who's coming to dinner, so of course it was a concern. <laughs> <laughs> we were These people all just seemed so nice, I so normal. My family, not fully tuned in to, to the racial divide in America. Vaughn has never been to my parents' home, and he's not welcome there. For a little while, I was read the Riot Act. Um, These are people today. You no, know, not not just by my parents. My modern parents didn't day know couples. how to deal with it, but my brothers were pretty upset, and we're still finding our way. Um, modern day couples in our country people. still struggle with this. I remember when I was in middle school or high school. Uh, going to a fairly progressive church um, with one of those fun rock bands, and they wear jeans and a blazer and all that nonsense. Um, but an African-American couple came in one day. They came in, they walked up towards the front, and they sat down. 
you would, it was like the exorcist. All those people's heads turning to look and like, it had to be very uncomfortable. I felt uncomfortable for them at the time. So I can only imagine what it was like to come into this country church in North Carolina to sit down amongst all these white faces and um, nobody really show you a ton of kindness. I do remember people speaking to them afterwards, but then getting in the car and comments popping up like, oh, that was awkward, or this might not be the right place for them, or blah, 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 whatever the, uh, the statements were, almost seemed, to, almost seemed to hold up that they weren't welcome in that church. Somehow impair my reelection. If they had been racist and held that against him, I would never have forgiven myself because I could go on loving him without a marriage certificate. The state is ignoring a very important point, and that is the right of Richard and Mildred Loving to wake up in the morning or to go to sleep at night, knowing that the sheriff will not be knocking on their door or shining a light in their face in the privacy of their bedroom. Boy, that is it. Really that good. is the key here. Being able to be secure in your home, secure in yourself, with your family and with the people you care about. Alright, we're going to come back. We're going to see how this all folds into the LGBTQ community. How the Loving vs. Virginia case has affected the world and everyone in it in a positive way. This is the Doctor Who Ever Project. We'll be right back. Blowing minds from coast to coast, the doctor is in. Hear anonymous experts with insider information straight from the source. Get the facts and judge for yourself at DrWhoever.com. That's right. This is the Doctor Whoever Project. It is June 19th, Juneteenth, 2021. The first official Juneteenth holiday in our country. Celebrating the end of slavery, Jubilee Day, Juneteenth, African American Independence Day, the relief of the oppression from slavery. We're all celebrating all of that today, along with Pride. It is June, so Pride Month is on full force. You can't go anywhere without seeing a couple rainbow flags nowadays if you live anywhere fun at all. Um, But let's talk about how the Loving vs. Virginia decision by the Supreme Court has passed down those kinds of thinkings throughout the generation. 58 years later, we're still talking about how people should and should not love each other. Um, Let's hear Nancy Pelosi talk about the House passing the Equality Act back in February, prohibiting discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. I love talking about the Equality Act. The... It is needed because there is discrimination against people in the LGBTQ community. To give you a little background on that, uh, we had for a long time a series, four things that we were going to do. One was we were going to uh, pass hate crimes legislation, which we did. 
and I'm so proud of that. And Matthew Shepard's parents helped us pass that legislation. Secondly, we were going to do um, the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which under President Obama's leadership and with his courage and the rest, we were able to do that. The next thing we were going to do was ENDA, to end discrimination in the workplace. But then it was like, well, why just the workplace? Why not in every aspect of the economy and of our society? So we went to the Equality Act so that it was more comprehensive than just in the workplace. And that's where we are now. And our fourth was not our doing, it was the courts, was uh, marriage equality. And the courts took care of that for us. So the, the piece that was remaining of the four that we set out to do a number of years ago is the uh, uh, now the Equality Act. Its, its manifestation earlier was ENDA, but we broadened it. And it is necessary because it is, I wish it weren't. It breaks my heart that it is necessary, but the fact is, and in fact we have... A sad event here, even this morning, mm. demonstrating the need for us to have respect. Not even just respect, but I give take these politicians pride. credit. Take pride. They are the really trying to move the country in a more progressive and positive direction. Um, she was just speaking of Matthew Shepard. I'm sure many people know the story, but many don't. Um, Matthew Shepard was a young man that was brutally murdered, um, beaten, tied to a... Uh, chain fence with barbed wire. I think it was in Wyoming. Um, 20 years later, his parents are activists and are working with Congress and the president on how they can combat hate. Here's them talking, um, the parents, Judy Shepard, Matthew's mother, talking on the Today Show. Years ago this weekend that a 21-year-old Wyoming college student named Matthew Shepard was lured from a bar, robbed and beaten in an attack that would take his life. Shepard's death sparked vigils around the world and two decades now of activism in his name. Matthew's parents turned their grief into action as they worked to protect people like their son. NBC's Stephanie Gosk has our Sunday Spotlight. A performer takes his place on stage. My son Matthew did not look like a winner. But the lines he's delivering actually makes are you feel. his words, and the story he's telling is his own. These stories give emotion, and they should give emotion to anyone. If you are a member of a group that is marginalized, remember these people that were out there before you that lost their lives. Whether they're white, gay, black, purple, pink, Hispanic, Jewish, whatever. There's always someone that's going to hate you for you. So why hate others and constantly fuel the fire of negativity that we can't seem to get rid of within our country? Because there always has to be someone below you, right? To keep yourself on the top. On October 12, 1998, my firstborn son and hero died. The Laramie Project, a landmark play, explores the events surrounding the murder of University of Wyoming student Matthew Shepard. 
go home, give your kids a hug. And for the first time, Matt's father, Dennis Shepard, is reading his part. It's been 20 it's years be since the tragedy rocked the country and began to reshape the way we think about hate crime. It's hard when you say it out loud that it's been 20 years that we've been without Matt almost as long as we had Matt. Um, that's really heartbreaking for me. On the night of October 6, 1998, two men targeted and abducted hmm. Matt, driving him to a remote area east of Laramie, Wyoming. Jason Marsden leads the foundation that bears his friend's name. They reached a dead end toward the end of this road and took Matt out of the truck, tied him to a, a buck fence that's just out here past this hillside behind me and hit him in the head 19 to 21 times with the butt end of a 357 pistol. Hmm. Matt was tortured. My question and would be how sad does your life have to be that you are willing to risk murdering and beating someone to death to possibly go to jail just because you don't like who they're sleeping with. The tragedy would become one of the most notorious anti-gay hate crimes in American history. Matt's funeral and the murder trials, which led to multiple life sentences, dominated the media. Everybody, male and female, could look at Matt and see something that was similar to what their experiences were. The correspondence we got was... I remember being a teenager, an early teenager, a preteen when this happened. I remember hearing the story, knowing that that was me. I'm pretty sure that's me. I'm pretty sure I'm like that guy. Is this going to happen to me? Do I need to just keep in the shadows, keep in the dark, not tell people? And I did. I kept it. I kept it down, and I kept it a secret. Directed at LGBT people. You know, I just saw this very bright, intellectual, worldly, young person. It's one of the mysteries that keeps you going. I can't ever really know what he might have been able to accomplish, but I have a pretty good idea of what we can accomplish in his name if we keep doing it. And so we do. Work that remains urgent today. Hate crimes reported to police in America's 10 largest cities rose an average of 12.5% in 2017. We in no way anticipated that we would make this giant U-turn. I just feel like we're having to start all over. Despite the challenges ahead, the memory of Matt lives on. Good is coming out of evil. People have said enough is enough. I miss my son. But I'm proud to say he is my son. For Sunday Today, Stephanie Gosk. Wow. If you want to check that out, that is uh, 20 years after the Matthew Shepard murder. His parents' activism continues uh, on the Today Show, October 7th, 2018. So uh, if you're curious about that, give it a, give it a check. It, it is part of our history. It's part of American history, and it is part of LGBT history as well. And we shouldn't forget. We shouldn't forget these things that cause us to look at ourselves in reflection and decide, is this how we want to be? Or do we need to change? But there is hope. The young kids out there, They just don't care 
They don't care about what people are doing anymore. They're so inclusive. With the TikTok and the YouTube and the Facebook and the Instagram, I sound like a super old person right now, but it's true. Those those uh, social media, they uh, they they definitely bring a lot of things that are negative, but they also connect us, connect people that may never meet in person, but connect through a way where they can participate in each other's lives and even feel emotion for each other while living completely separate lifestyles. All right. This is the Dr. Ever Project. We're going to take a little quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. Or third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. You get the picture. This is the Doctor Whoever Project. Always on at DoctorWhoever.com. So we even have uh, special youth events going on now for Pride. Youth Pride events unite thousands of queer kids, families, and allies together. That's what we're doing now. We're uniting. An amazing artist, I see an amazing human being, and her being gay is only just one part of that. I love her no matter what. If you love your kids, then you're you're gonna come to things like this with them, and you're gonna let them be in a space that feels so just yeah, welcoming, and and, and it makes me weepy because I know that there are kids that don't have that. This is me loving my kids. This is my love and action. And there are so many kids out there that don't have acceptance, don't have a community, don't know where to go. They are isolated, and they go to the internet and to these social media platforms to find some people that are like them. If I didn't have any supportive parents, and with the bullying that has happened to me, I wouldn't know where I'd be because I would be helpless. Hearing how much bullying she got at school, she would come home and she was just like so miserable, and she would like talk about how, oh, I can't do it, I can't go to school, and someday she just wouldn't even go to school at all. I don't want people going through that people should be supported for who they are we're all human create that feeling that no matter what there's these kids say it's so right uh, and that that love will endure regardless of who you are my mom has been very helpful along the way for the most part um made sure i got my binder and my testosterone and all my stuff also made sure i packed all of it in case i forgot Parents still being parents, and just like other even that when I a child like is going through something so serious. Parents in general that aren't as accepting, they can get the support they need mm-hmm. from their parents. Mm-hmm. But I have an amazing mom and dad that do understand and that do love me for who I am. For those that don't feel accepted, they face lots of homophobia. Even these events, like Youth Pride, they only help to validate their identity. By a teacher, the year after I came out and after that, I was really scared to be myself and just really scared to be out and open. But because of Pride, it's somewhere where I can just be myself and I don't have to worry about anything. It's just somewhere where I can just be me and I can just live life and there are people just like me everywhere. When I came out earlier this year, I think it was, it was terrifying, more so petrifying, because I, I I remember I was asked, do you think you can handle the bullying because you know you're going to get bullied? I said yes, but then it got to my head and it became very difficult. 
So now that I'm here, it's still super comforting to know that there are people who are just like me. I walked around with this around me and just to see people smile and sometimes not even say something, they treat it like it's actually normal because it is. <laughs> it is normal. What is normal nowadays? Everybody's a little bit different. Everybody's got something going on. There's not a true normal American anymore. We are all America. Their same struggles. When you go to a festival like this, you see like people from all over the place. You, they might not be visible, but like there's people all around you. Finding somewhere accessible for like queer kids is really important. Be sure to find your local gay pride event this month, next month, and all the way till November. You know that you've got to meet, so brace yourself for the big reveal. He's about my height when he's not in heels. Some boys play basketball. He played house with ratchet dolls. It's not Santa Claus. It's time for applause. It's coming out the closet, Mama. I like boys. I like pecs. Like them arms when they flex. With all the entertainment out there, YouTube, TikTok, spreading the word of being gay and being you, being transgender. Being black, being Asian, the stories, the stories are spreading. We are a country of stories and we can all share them. I'm sharing mine and I hope that you are out there sharing yours. Find someone today that's not exactly like you. Give them a hug, buy them a cup of coffee, but talk to them, listen to them, learn how you're the same and how you're different. But don't go into it trying to pick faults with the other because you have faults as well no one's perfect and what is perfect your idea of a way life should be is completely different from other people's views on life no matter if you live in california or north carolina we're more alike than we are different all right that's it it's june 19th juneteenth june pride month there's a lot going on here this month, but we have a full summer and we had a full year off to just get ready and getting ready. We are the world is back open. I'm excited to see people's faces again. It is great. It's lovely. Just not having to wear a mask and worry about that one extra thing. There's already so many things to worry about in society. Catching a virus should not be one. Go out there, get vaccinated and get back to your life. LGBTQ plus news making headlines. Stand clear, there will be glitter. Like feminine, or are you more like feminine? I can already tell when you open your mouth, a rainbow fell out. Okay, girl, bye. Bye. Most Americans are repelled by the mere notion of homosexuality. The CBS News survey shows that two out of three Americans look upon homosexuals with disgust. No matter what you preach or say, no matter what you preach or say, there's no fighting denied. You can't breathe again. This is the Doctor Whoever Project. Stand by.
Bye bye.